the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from the Bay Area, your money, your life. This is Rob Black. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking typically all things financial. Now, let me, I've been writing up what I'm going to be talking about today on the show. I'm going to be talking about condos. I'm going to be talking bankruptcies from Donald Trump to, holy mackerel, um, MC Hammer. I'm going to be talking about bank robbers. I'm going to be talking about Hef versus Hoff. Well, no, 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 I'm actually going to be talking about Hugh Hefner. I, I might get in some some David Ho- um, Hasselhoff as well. Some investment ideas. Going to talk about You Lie last night. Was that not fantastic television when a congressman of the United States yells at the president of the United States during a speech? If that's not must-see TV, I don't know what is. I'm going to talk zombies and vampires. I'm going to talk wine flu and swine flu today. So I got a little bit of everything for you. If you want to call the show and contribute, if you want to ask a financial question about the economy, about inflation, about the stock markets, stock market's up 53% since the March lows. An amazing ride. If you want to talk, where's the next 50%? Will it be as amazing? Will it be as fast? I don't think so. I'd say the easy money's been made. We'll talk about issues along these lines. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. I think it's fair to say that I find so much interesting and intriguing in the world of money. And for instance, for instance, I was recently watching on KQED in the middle of the night, uh, a special on Billy Joel from 1973. Oh, crazy. Smoking cigarettes on stage. Smoking cigarettes on stage. Handheld cameras, not even robotic cameras at this point in time. So the, the stage crew is running around with cameras, getting them all smoked. And you know that whistling that he does in, in his song? He really does that whistle, and that's quite impressive. But anyway, I started thinking about Billy Joel, and I remember at one point in time hearing him tell a story that he got into a bad record contract. And because of this bad record contract, he went out and became a piano man. The contract basically was... He wasn't going to make any money from his albums. He was only going to make money from touring. So what he decided to do was say, screw the record company. I'm going to go to L.A. for a few years and be a piano man. So he goes to L.A., becomes a piano man. Well, wait, before I even go there, did you know this? Billy Joel is a European-born Jewish immigrant, and his family fled Nazi Germany during World War II. And before we even go even further than that, did you know that he wanted to be a boxer? He was training to be a boxer, and he ends up being this this crazy piano man, right? So anyway, um, and you, why would you want to be a boxer? Because when you're a little boy, you get beat up if you play the piano. So he probably was like a little self-defense thing going on. Anyway, you know Billy Joel. You know his whole big side of the story. Um, there was a, a record company called The Family Productions, and they basically got him in this horrible, horrible, horrible record deal. And so he goes to L.A., he practices being a piano man. I remember in the 70s. Do you remember in the 70s, 75, 77, 79? Every two years, Billy Joel was coming out with an album that was a top-selling platinum record. Every two years. 
And back then, the norm was every three years. So something was in that story. And what happened was in the early 70s, he signs this horrible record deal. And in order to flip it off to the record executives, he decides to move to the West Coast, uh, which is interesting in of itself, a Brooklyn Bronx boy um, coming out to L.A. So he, he gets in the, the piano bars and he, he practices, he hones, he gets, you know, just tons and tons of songs lined up. Um, to me, this was an interesting story because... He basically was bankrupt. He was destitute. He had no money. He had number one songs out there, um, but he couldn't go anywhere with it. An executive from Columbia ultimately hears him and basically buys out the record deal with Family Productions. So for the next 10 albums that came out, Family Productions, their logo had to be on Columbia Records logo on the Billy Joel covers. And for every song that they would get, 25 cent royalty for every album sold. So uh, Family Productions ultimately got him into a pretty interesting locked up contract. And that's pretty popular and pretty common in the world of music. Um, I know a record executive who will go out and sign 10 college bands knowing that one of them might become a hit. Locking the other 10 up, basically giving them bad record deals. The music industry is heavily controlled by corporate America, whether you know that and or not. If you're a young band, be careful. Be careful what you sign. So anyway, I'm going to blend in stories like that. But you know the, the Billy Joel story even has another kind of interesting twist. Um, how many marriages he's had? The man is prolific in writing music, but he's also prolific in marriages. And I just saw that his Center Island home was put back up on the market. Um, the man had a 14,000-square-foot house. 14,000 square foot house. Can you even imagine 14,000 square feet? That's ridiculous. $32.5 million. 14 acres of rolling lawns. Pretty nice naturalized landscaping. 1,500 feet of direct waterfront. Not too shabby, huh? So annual taxes on it. Now, again, I complain about Prop 13. I hate Prop 13. In large part, I don't think what Prop 13 was meant to do is still in fuego. It's not as popular now as it was then. Um, Back in the 70s and 80s, it made a lot of sense, Prop 13, but it's one of those laws that hasn't aged well. But I digress. Property taxes on a $32 million estate, $208,000 a year, just in taxes. It's got a gym, indoor pool, outdoor pool, gourmet kitchen, tennis court, bowling alley. Who really wants a bowling alley in your home? I find that to be pretty lame. So I think that the charm of going bowling is sitting there with other people in a, a smoky restaurant or a smoky bowling alley and, and beers are flowing and uh, sloppy people and watching, watching the kids bowl gutters. You know, I don't want a bowling alley in my home. Bowling's not that much of a sport, is it? Anyway, it's got a music room, a smoking bar, and a wine cellar. So 13 different fireplaces. 13 fireplaces. Again, I'm totally digressing. Now, today there's an article in the San Francisco Examiner talking about condos with luxury condos being rented instead of sold falling rates and rent control have combined to allow renters to upgrade their pads while locking in low rents for quite a while. It's nearly a year after the big bomb hit the condo market. And now we're starting to see increasing vacancy rates, falling prices driven largely by the layoffs and the burst of nationwide housing bubble. The rental market appears to be stabilizing in the city of San Francisco. So the rental market stabilizing. Keep in mind the housing market's probably got two or three different prongs or approaches to it. Uh, you could look at real estate development. You could look at the, the homes that people live in and then the condos and townhouses. Now, keep in mind, I once made a very bold statement that pissed a lot of people off. I said condos are white trash investments. Keep in mind that my boss here lives in a condo, and I have the courage to say condos are white trash investments. 
in most of America, a condo is a white trash investment. And I came from the East Coast eight years ago. And when you, I, I used to do a nationwide radio show. I was in 100-plus markets. And I'd go visit these markets. I'd visit these markets like Portland, like Houston, like Des Moines, um, like Jacksonville, like Charlotte. And when I'd visit these, I would see that condos are white trash investments. The people that live in condos are 20-year-old kids and 70-year-old widows. Nobody else lives in condos. No one really wants to because when you're 20, you know, you're – you don't mind having your neighbor right on top of you. You don't mind when you're knocking boots that your neighbor can hear you. You're kind of proud of it. But when you're 30 and you got a kid or two, it's suddenly a condo is just no space. And, you know, you're bumping into each other as you go up and down the stairs. So condos aren't great investments. You have homeowner fees, and that's a whole other issue, uh, you know, set aside. Now, in San Francisco, condo's okay. It's a luxury market. A condo in Maui? It's okay. It's pretty good. It's a luxury market. You know, um, apartments in New York, they're okay. But again, I would still prefer to invest my hard-earned dollars. Keep in mind, you work from age 20 to 60. Your hard-earned dollars, you work hard for your money. I would still prefer to put my money in a single-family home each and every single time. Now, since August 2008, the rental rate or the median rental in the city of San Francisco, August 2008, it was $2,200. Now it's $1,900. That extra $300 that you can save, that's your whole retirement plan, just like that. Just like that. Now, if you were to buy the average home in the Bay Area, the average home about a year ago was $600,000. Average mortgage was about $3,500. So you could rent for $1,900 or buy for $3,500. Sometimes it makes more sense to rent and invest the rest. Because ultimately, you're not going to die in San Francisco, or maybe you will, maybe you won't. I don't know what your desires are. But sometimes it's better to rent here and buy somewhere else because you could buy a lot more home. Like if you got that extra $32 plus million, you can go buy Billy Joel's home. Um, but if I, and I, I'm not in this situation, if I had a gun to my head and I couldn't save enough money for retirement, I would rent versus owning a home. There's no doubt about it. To me, it's more important to to put money in a nest egg than it is to put money in a home. Let's talk a little bit about that. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Again, we're going to be talking bankruptcies today. We're going to be talking bank robbers. We're going to be talking Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner's getting a divorce. Divorce or financial messy situations. Messy, messy situations. Um, We'll talk a little bit about the prenup, about the postnup. Issues along those lines. I got some investment ideas for you. I got Obama healthcare review. I'll probably do that next because that seems to be timely. I want to talk some zombies and I want to talk some vampires because they're on my mind. And I hear you saying, I want to get in your head. And the old swine flu. Last night I did a little bit too much drinky drinking. I think I got the wine flu this morning, but we'll talk swine flu investments. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. We have a live blog thing going on. What's the new website? Is it talk910.com? Talk910.com? Yeah. So you can go to the, the new website. We got a new thing going on. We're dropping the talk from our name. It's just, you know, we, when you look at meters and Arbitron, they, they, they 
all you need to remember is I was listening to 910. So we're dropping the whole talk thing, and it's just, no, 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 we're not dropping the top the talk thing. We're dropping the K&EW thing. See how confusing it is for me? I'm easily confused. So um, the website, 910, talk910.com. And when you're there, you can click on my big head, the Rob Black head, and there's a blog. And at the blog, you can throw out questions. You can throw out ideas. For instance, someone basically came up with, um, is it absolutely suicide to buy a condo in Novato? Even though I work in Marin, my son goes to school in Novato, the only thing we could really afford. Otherwise, it's commuting from American Canyon or Vallejo. Actually, more to rent monthly because we have cash to put down but makes less monthly income. Do I make any sense? See, I wouldn't buy in this scenario. You're kind of confusing a couple issues. Now, if you want to buy a townhouse in Novato, I'm not going to tell you no. I wouldn't do it, though. In large part, you're going to put a large amount of money down so that it becomes affordable, and and that creates a lost opportunity on the money that you have. Um, So, yeah, you're going to make it a little bit more cash flow positive. I understand you want to be close to your kid's school, and that alone may be the reason you want to do it. Is it a smart, wise choice to do with your money? I don't think so. Again, the resales, buying a home, here's what buying a home is really all about. You want to get the best street, the best schools, Close to the freeway, close to jobs. And the further you go, the less desirable it becomes. And if you can get a nice single family home, it's the mothers in the world that are going to want your home. Now, out of all 100 homeowners, 80% of them are single families. People want to live with a little bit of land, a little bit of a backyard, a little bit of a garage. That's what people, 80% want that. So when it comes time to sell your townhouse, You're only working with 20% of people who typically aren't established or they're old. Again, you know that I don't like old people because old people don't pay income taxes, but that's neither here nor there. But with that said, I wouldn't buy a a townhouse in Novato, but I'm not going to stop you because there's something about quality of life. You want to buy in the, the best city, the best school district, the best street, with a little bit of land, because there's always going to be some mother out there who goes, oh, we're going to have little Johnny, and she's got a little pregnant bump going on, and she goes, little Johnny's going to want to go to the best schools, and look at all the kids in this neighborhood. For instance, if you can buy a neighborhood with lots of kids, that's a lot more attractive than buying in a neighborhood with a lot of old people. In large part, kids, you know, mother will move in and go, oh, it's such a cute neighborhood. See daddy out in the front yard playing with Junior? So anyway, that's my advice on that. Let's get back to the, the show, though, because I'm Again, digressing as I want to do. But President Obama gave a speech last night, and he set the size of the health care insurance plan at $900 billion over 10 years, a figure that's smaller than versions approved in the House and fully paid for, he said, by spending cuts and tax increases. Most individuals would be required to purchase health insurance. Okay, wait. That's the first thing from the speech last night that got me. At one point in time, he said people wouldn't be required Now, most people would be required to purchase health insurance. He said the cost would be mitigated by generous tax credits. Okay, okay. Large employers would also face a requirement to offer health coverage to employees or pay a fine. Most small businesses would be exempt. The president pledged to tackle medical malpractice lawsuits in an overture to Republicans. He singled out his former presidential rival, Senator John McCain, in embracing one of Arizona Republicans' health care proposals. He promised new cost controls that could scale back the plan if health care inflation isn't brought under control. Mr. Obama chastised Republican leaders who talked of death panels. The president called it a lie, plain and simple. He warned, I will not waste time with those who have made the calculation that it's better politics to kill this plan than improve it. If you misrepresent what's in the plan, we will call you out. 
and I will not accept the status quo as a solution. Not this time, not now. So overall, Mr. Obama tried to make the case to consumers that his plan would provide more stability for those who already have insurance and coverage for those who don't. Republicans said the plan is too expensive and will lead to excessive government control. Mr. Obama embraced for the first time a proposal to impose a fee on insurers that sell high-priced, high-end plans, a concession that could hit only not only lawyers, but bankers, also unions that bargain for premium health plans. Okay, this was a big pep rally. It was a lot of talk. And when you do the fact check, you're going to learn a little bit more about it. But more importantly, how damn great was it when a little-known South Carolina Republican, he basically... I don't want to say screwed. I don't want to say hosed. But he ruined Republicans last night because he comes across looking bad. He comes across looking real bad. You know, it's a defining moment that's going to rally Democrats. It's not a defining moment that's going to get America up in arms. Democrats hope to transform this into a turning point. Joe Wilson said, you lie, as Obama claimed his plan when it offered free care to legal immigrants. That's pretty boorish behavior. There's no way around it. Now, he quickly apologized. But he enraged Democrats. And with that said, that's that's definitely, definitely not what he wanted to do. Okay, so who is benefiting today from the speech? How can you make money, Rob? I'll tell you. Aetna is up 1%. WellPoint's up a little bit today. Humana. These are the three really big insurance companies. Well, there's four. There's United Healthcare as well. So Aetna, ticker symbol AET. WellPoint, WLP. Humana, HUM. United Health Group, UNH. Now, Ultimately, if Congress creates an insurance organization, most of these health operating plan companies would benefit. So um, that's kind of why the healthcare companies are are trading flat to slightly higher today. So again, Obama took the the number down from one trillion dollars to nine hundred billion dollars because we don't like the number trillion. We can digest billion. We don't like the number trillion. Now. If you fact check some of the things that he said, you know, he said, I will not sign a plan that adds a dime to our deficit either now or in the future. You know, there's no final plan right now. The White House and congressional Democrats have shown that they're ready to skirt the new deficit pledge. Uh, they've no new deficit pledge. They're, they're going to skirt it. They're going to, like, show it in funny ways. For instance, the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, said that this plan would automatically add $220 billion to the deficit over 10 years. And what he's basically saying is, well, we're not going to be paying Medicare anymore or we're going to shift it to Medicare, $245 billion. So it's really not going to cost $220 billion of the deficit. It's just it's silly math. It's what I refer to as financial engineering. Obama said nothing in the plan is going to require you or your employer to change the coverage of the doctor you have. And that's correct as far as it goes. But neither can the plan guarantee that people will keep their current coverage. Employers sponsor coverage for most families, and they'd be free to change their health plans in ways that workers may not like, or they may drop insurance altogether. Another thing that Obama said is the reforms I'm proposing would not apply to those who are here illegally. So that's when Joe Wilson shouted out, you lie. The facts back up Obama, actually, in this one. The House version of the health care bill explicitly prohibits spending any federal money to help illegal immigrants get health care coverage. Illegal immigrants could buy private health insurance, as many do now, but wouldn't get tax subsidies to help them. You know, Republicans say there just aren't enough sufficient citizenship verification requirements to ensure illegal immigrants are excluded from the benefits that are not due. So it's 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 long. It's winded. Um, requiring insurance companies to cover preventative care like mammograms, colonoscopies. He says it makes sense. It saves money and it saves lives. And the facts there don't back up Obama. 
And that's what's really stinks about watching these political speeches. It sounds good. If you get a mammogram, you may not have to get full-blown cancer. The problem is if you do wide-scale mammograms and wide-scale colonoscopies to detect things like breast cancer, to detect um, you know colon cancer, the cost of a large number of tests, even if they're relatively cheap, they outweigh the cost for the minority of people who end up getting sick with, without these testing. So, I don't know. To me, uh, not a lot was said, but this is going to be big. In large part, it's not going to affect you and me. The $800 billion, $900 billion price tag of it's not going to affect you and me. It's going to affect our children and our grandchildren. But right now is actually a good time. If the government's going to stimulate the the economy, if the government's going to bail out banks, if the government's going to come up with a stimulus plan, if the government's going to come up with a, a home loan modification plan, now is actually a good time to do it. Why? Because interest rates are low. Our government's borrowing money at 1% to 2%. If interest rates were higher, they'd be borrowing money at 5 to 6%. You know you have got a credit card. When you've got an 18% credit card, it, it, it hurts bad. When you've got a 9% credit card, it's, it's a little bit better. Same thing with our government. So if we're going to be spending like a drunken sailor, now is actually a pretty good time to do it. I think that's about all I got as far as health care, Obama, and me. I'm really not that big into the whole political thing, but I did I did chuckle and I did giggle out loud when Joe Wilson yelled, you liar, you lie. Pretty funny stuff. You're listening to the Rob Black Show. It's Talk 9, t- oh, not Talk 9, 10. It's 9, 10, 9, 10 a.m. is how I'm supposed to refer to it. Talk 9, 10. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. We've got a... Action going on at the website. The website is talk910.com. Talk910.com. You can see the webcam. Look, you can actually see Heidi's face today. Yesterday she was facing away from the camera. Today she's facing towards the camera, and now she's waving. Maybe one day I'll come in and streak across the camera just to give you an entertaining show. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Everybody's gotten so politically extreme. Yes. Uh, what's he talking about? Nine ten a.m. More stimulating talk. Who doesn't love a good dumb bank robber story? News out of Tampa. Detectives are searching for a group of robbers with a flair for costuming. The men have stormed into three pawn shops in the last three weeks with pretty creative masks. In one case, one of them was wearing a child safety seat on his head. They've also donned hospital scrubs, and in another case, they wore a beautician's hair washing sink on their head. Hold on, wait, wait. Do I need to go any further than that? Someone's putting a child safety seat on his head? I don't know if you could see through a child safety seat. I love dumb bank robber stories, but um, yeah, yeah, I, I, that would be a career not to get into. That would be a good career not to get into. Or a wacky terrorist. Don't do that. The guy who uh, hijacked a plane from Cancun to Mexico City. He was a religious zealot. He had a fake bomb and a box of cardboard. And uh, he did it on 999, which is interesting because it's 666 upside down. And that was his his theory. That was his angle, was that this was going to be a big day. And he had to talk to the Mexican president and warn him of incoming floods. I don't know. Not the smartest jobs being a terrorist at times, uh, a hijacker or a bank robber or a robber in general. I like the the wacky stories tied towards 
Um, Stupid people. (laughs) Ultimately, what it comes down into is stupid people. I got an email, and this kind of tells you what what I do on this show. You can email me, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. This one comes to me from Barbara, and she says, My apartment lease expires next August 2010. I have over $75,000 saved to purchase a home later on. What type of investments do you recommend that are easily liquidated and higher than a 2% from CDs today? Okay, here comes the problem. Short term, she wants to use this money to purchase a home later on. She said about a year from now is my guess. That's what later on ultimately means, right? 2% in a CD, not good enough for her. Hmm. Cash is one of those investments where you actually look for a lower rate of return, not a higher rate of return. Cash is an investment that is supposed to be safe. It's supposed to be liquid, right? Cold, hard cash, cash money. So you're actually looking for 1% to 2%. That's actually a pretty good rate. When you start getting 3 to 4% on your cash, then it's starting to become a little bit more speculative, or they're putting that money at risk, or it's going to be a little bit more of a hassle. Now, if I were Barbara, what I would consider doing, if you really, truly want a little bit of risk or a little bit better rate of return, I would look at a Ginnie Mae fund. The Fidelity Ginnie Mae fund is yielding about 4.2%. And so far in history, Ginnie Mae's have been backed and supported by the United States government. They're pretty riskless investments. And let me give you an example. Banks in the United States, you know how banks got into this whole credit crisis, they, they lent out too much money, and then some of these investments went bad on them, so they had to deleverage. Ultimately, banks are allowed to lend $33 out for every dollar they have in the bank, or Ginnie Mays. Banks have actually been buying Ginnie Mays because the, the, the Ginnie Mays are guaranteed. They make their balance sheet look a little bit healthier. Nations financial institution banks are snapping up securities that are backed by Ginnie Mae. Now, Ginnie Mae is a government-owned agency that guarantees payments on mortgages backed by the FHA. So banks are deeming them risk-free. So ultimately, Barbara, I think you can deem them risk-free. Now, there will be a little bit of volatility, but that comes with when you look for more than 2% returns on cash, it's going to come with a little bit more volatility. A CD, a certificate of deposit, it's safe. It's guaranteed as long as it's under you know a certain amount of money. It's safe. It's guaranteed. That's good. But you want higher. And when you go higher, the guarantees aren't going to be there. Now, you can look at some online banks if you want to. Some people find online banks incredibly annoying, like an ING Direct. It's not a real bank. There's no bank that has the name ING on it on the outside. Well, there is actually in Europe, but that's neither here nor there. ING Direct is not a bank that you can find in the United States. It doesn't have, you know, bricks and mortar. ING Direct, in more particular, is an online bank, and it sits on top of your bank. So if you have a bank account with Bank of America, checking account, you could open up an online bank account with ING Direct, and you would transfer the money from your bank account at Bank of America into the ING account. You'll get a higher rate of return. When you need your money back, you can then transfer it from the online bank back to your regular bank. No cost, no transaction cost, nothing like that. But it's a little bit of a hassle. See, like you can't go and say, I want my money right now. It's a transferring process. And money tends to transfer in one, two, three business days. It's not instantaneous. So it's a little bit more of a pain in the arse, as I like to say. So um, that's what I would do, Barbara. Again, you don't look for high rates of returns with cash. Cash is supposed to be safe. Cash is supposed to be liquid. Now, with your investments... Historically, cash is going to get you, you know, what the overnight lending rate is, maybe a little bit 1% higher, 
to be safe. Overnight lending rates almost nothing right now because the Federal Reserve has lowered interest rates to encourage lending, to encourage credit transactions, to encourage our economy. So a couple of years from now, who knows? Maybe if there's some inflation, the overnight lending rate will be at four, five, six percent, and you'll be like, "Hey, I'm earning real money at my bank account again," and, I, and you like that safety. Historically, cash gets about one to two percent. Historically, bonds get you about six percent rates of returns. Historically, real estate gets you five percent rates of returns, and historically, the stock market gets you ten point two percent plus dividends. So if you have the longer time horizon, you invest in stocks, you accumulate stocks. If you are starting to get towards needs of income, bonds tend to have a better cash flow than stocks. So you you in, you know invest your you increase your exposure to bonds, and ultimately real estate goes up with wage inflation. And we're not seeing a lot of wage inflation inside the United States right now. So anyway, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Now uh, I will say this, Barbara. Again, my advice is if you can take a little bit of volatility. I think the 4.2% that you can get at Fidelity Jenny May Fund is worth a little bit of exposure of your uh, your cash to. And it's a little bit, your principal's going to have a little bit of risk. My mother, uh, Eunice, my mother's name's Eunice. That's kind of a bad thing, isn't it? My mother's very, very Southern. Uh, my mother has a, a Fidelity Jenny May Fund, so and uh, I've got no problem putting you into it. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Now, I just talked about banks using the safety of Ginny Mays, and I, I did that for a reason. I'm teaching you things on this show. If I get hit by a bus today or a terrorist blows me up, you learn something. And I think that's ultimately the, the goal of the show is to stimulate you to understand that money's not evil, to understand that stock market's not evil, to stimulate you to know you work from age 20 to 60. And for instance, I've got a new board op today. Her name's Jen. I'm going to ask her during the commercial break. I'm going to say, how much money do you got in your 401k? And I almost guarantee you she's going to say nothing. And my next comment is, well, when you're 65 and eating cat food, you got only yourself to blame for it. Because when you're age 20 to 60, every dollar you earn, you got to save 10 to 15% of it. 10 to 15%. It's not even a question. You have to do it. And if you don't do it now, then when you're 30, and I'm, I'm guessing she's in her 20s, then in her, in her 30, she's going to have to go from a saving 10 to 15% to saving 15 to 20%. And if she doesn't do it then, when she's 40, she's going to have to save 20 to 25%. If she doesn't do it then, what she should do is go to a burn clinic and get a hot, young, sexy man who's, who's uber wealthy and got burns all over his body to take care of her. Because if you don't save at least $100,000 by age 40, in the state of California, you're going to work till the day you die. Now, that's okay. That's okay working till the day you die, if that's what you want to do. My goal is to have options when I turn 60. You know, I don't want to be tied into this... Uh, situation one way or another. Hugh Hefner getting a divorce. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Man, well over 60. Uh, but again, age 20 to 60, that's when you earn money. It's when you accumulate it. You accumulate what I refer to as a nest egg. And age 60 to 100, you distribute that nest egg back to you because you don't have a job anymore. And you know what? In the United States, age discrimination is starting to rear its ugly head. I know a lot of people, if they lost their job right now, they're in their 50s. They're not hireable. They have no chance they're going to be making the same amount of money today, tomorrow, that they're making today. There's no chance. Um, age discrimination is becoming a little bit more real. You know why? Because when you're age 50, to get health insurance, it's more expensive. When you're age 50, you can't be taken advantage of quite as easily as someone who's 20 years old. So age discrimination, very much so coming back in fuego inside the United States. 
To get your calls in there, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Our new tagline at the station. And, oh, let me tell you about meetings where they talk about taglines are, oh, so much fun. More stimulating talk. Station Talk 9, 10 a.m. Call in 800-345-5639. 800-345-5639. And you can find us on the web at talk910.com. You can get a podcast of this show. You can get a podcast of Armstrong and Getty. You can get a podcast of our new show starting later this afternoon. Glenn Beck as well. Talk910.com. You're listening to Rob Black. 9:10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Talk910.com. There you can jump on the blog and tell us about the new imaging of the station, the new sound of the station. Do you like it? Do you hate it? Don't be shy. We actually listen to your feedback. I have a program director who I'd almost call him sensitive to your feedback. He enjoys it. He enjoys interacting with you, and he responds to each and every one of you. So go to Talk910.com. Now, the station's just 9.10 a.m. now. It's kind of re-imaging, so to speak. Call in the show, 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. I was wrong. Jen, the new board op, Heidi kind of got a promotion. Heidi's now queen producer of the show. Her job is to kind of like feed me. Like she's like the lion feeder. She makes sure that I don't get too surly, that I get fed with the proper amount of news and content for you. She's also screening all the calls and, and getting you on the air and things along those lines. So Heidi, you can see on the webcam. It's kind of cool to see her face now. Um, Jen is now running the board. She's kind of the, the magician to make the, the show a little bit tighter, a little bit tighter. I'm telling you the, the things behind the scenes that I'm not supposed to tell you. It's the Wizard of Oz. But uh, I was wrong. I said Jen probably hasn't saved any money because to me she looks like that typical 20-year-old who, eh, I'll do it later. And that's the wrong way to go about it. But she schooled me. She said I'm not a typical 20-year-old. She's in her 30s, early 30s. I love that women tell me their age. It's when you deal with money, people tell you their age. It's fantastic. Um, sometimes I'll even squeeze out their weight if they'll give me their weight, but typically they, they're on to me at that point in time. But um, she saved a good 17000 and she's doing good. You need to have between ten and 40000 saved by the age 30 if you're going to hit that mark of forty to 100000 saved by the age of 40. Why am I giving these ten to forty and forty to 100? Why am I giving such big differences? Well... You can retire in Iowa a lot cheaper than you can retire in California. For instance, there's no way I'm retiring in California. The 9.5% sales tax, screw that. I worked way too hard for my money just to give it right back to the state. That's 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 sick. It, it's insane. It's silly. I enjoy working here. California's got some of the brightest, most beautiful, smart people on the planet. I'll work here. I'll raise a family here. But when push comes to shove, I'm retiring in a different state. Sorry. I'm thinking about retiring in Tonga. If you look at all the countries in the world, Tonga has got the lowest cost of living. I don't know. You can live like a king in Tonga. There was a European vacation that I once did that I stayed in Sagres, Portugal. And you can live like a king for $5 a day in Sagres. Sagres is right next to Lagres. It's on the the, uh, Mediterranean. Really pretty part of Portugal. And uh, for $5 a day, you can stay... In a house, be fed. It's not bad. $5 a day vacation. Not too shabby. You can get a big old boot of sangria and sit on the beach for about a buck. Not too shabby in any way, shape, or form. Plus, they make Sagres beer right there. You like uh, fresh local beer. They got it right there. 
Now, actually, uh, when I was on this vacation, I made the huge mistake of, you know, you're young. You're in a European village, so to speak. It's a seaside village. And they don't really do the same things. You know, here it's you live on Devonshire Lane and you it's 4203 and you you see that number. It's right next to 4205 and 4201. Well, they don't do the numbering systems in European villages all that often. So I was like, okay, I'm staying in the white cottage with the red roof. Like I go down, I, I drink a couple boots of sangria. And later that night, I, I look up. I'm pretty tipsy. Look up the hill and sure enough, right there. Every house in the village is a white house with a red roof, orange roof. Typical Mediterranean village. Took me hours and hours to find the the place that I was staying at. Um, ultimately, how I found it was they're they're drying an octopus on the clothesline. So I found the house that was white with an orange roof that had an octopus in front. Pretty easy. But anyway, I digress. Now, again, I, I hope you got a little bit of an investment lesson there. I think you should have. Um, let's talk a little swine flu. Swine flu still kicking. It is out there. Is it going to be a 0910 pandemic? Is it going to be fear-driven? I guarantee you it's going to be fear-driven. I can already tell you. Jen and Heidi shows up to work and they're coughing on me. I'm leaving. I'm not even thinking of staying twice. That's People are going to be like that. People are going to be angry if you cough. People aren't going to go to movies because you might be sick. Oh, and here's the worst. I belong to a tennis club. It'll tell you a tennis club story later. But um, I belong to a tennis club. Men in spas, you know, you're in the steam room, disgusting. It's like, I'm out. I'm out of that steam room. Clearing their nose and blowing, you know, eating celery. Don't eat celery in a steam room. That's disgusting. Um, Anyway, men in steam rooms, disgusting, disgusting, disgusting. I Don't even get me started. But I do have a good tennis club story in the second hour. Pretty sweet tennis club story in the second hour. Anyway, um, swine flu. It's going to be a situation where people are going to go to the hospital. We're going we're gonna to scare people. The media is going to do it. You know it and I know it. We're going to talk about Hampton Elementary. Two kids have swine flu. Don't send your kids. And then people are going to go, I might have swine flu. So I'm going to go to the hospital. So people are going to go to the hospital. Here's how you can invest with this way. There's two companies that make diagnostics. There's actually four, but I, the two that I like out of the four, and I'm not going to tell you the two that I don't like because that's the way I roll. The two that I like, one's called Quidel. Ticker symbol is Q-D-E-L. It's a pure play on flu. Basically, 50% of their sales come from rapid flu testing, and they got the leading market share. They're the dominant player. Leading market share. Microsoft, 90% of computers are sold with Windows operating system. That's a big piece of pie. Now, I like Apple because they've been able to grow their, their, their pie from 3% to 10%. But that big piece of pie, Microsoft, Quidel has got the big piece of pie, the market share. There's another one called Cephid, CPHD. So to me, Cephid's the young upcomer who's got more room to grow. Quidel's the more established company. Cephid's launching a rapid molecular-based flu subtyping test in January 2010, and the company's existing hospital-acquired infection franchise. It could benefit from greater hospital activity as well. I want you to go home and study these companies. I don't want you to invest in them just because you heard some dude on the radio talking about them. But these are ways to make money off media craziness. These are story stocks. These are story stocks. And do you think hospitals are going to be overrun with people who have sniffles this year? You betcha. Now, there's also other ways to play it with the people who are manufacturing the vaccines. There's other ways to play it like the, the Long's Drug Stores, the CVSs, the Walgreens. When you hear that your kid 
school has a kid with swine flu, you're going to go out and get disinfectant, probably more than you usually do. You're going to probably help fight the flu a little bit more than you typically do. So you'll probably be taking vitamins and things like that. So there's numerous ways to play it. But today I'm highlighting Quidel, Q-D-E-L, and Cephid, C-P-H-D. Now, there's another interesting note out there today. First year of a recession and its toll on household incomes. In the first year of this recession, it's called the Great Recession, by the way. We were calling it the Great Recession. It's a cute play on the Great Depression. It's the biggest recession of our lifetime. But in the first year, it drove 2.6 million people into poverty. They didn't have enough money saved in an emergency fund. They couldn't do it. So they went into poverty. Real median household income fell 3.6% in 2008. The average American makes $50,303. The number of people living in poverty rose by 2.6 million. How many people in America do you think live in poverty? What percentage? Do you think it's 5%? Do you think it's 10%? 15%? It's 13.2% of Americans. 13.2% of Americans live in poverty. That's kind of crazy, right? Number of Americans without health care insurance climbed 800,000 to 46 million, or 15% of the population. Number of children without health insurance fell to 7.3 million. That's the lowest since 1987, when the data first started getting collected. So... 39.8 million Americans live below poverty. Poverty is not fun. Poverty is not fun. Poverty is no cable TV. Poverty is having enough money to afford cigarettes as your diet. So I heard a good line a couple of days ago about uh, how people are losing weight these days. So, basically no job, i.e. poverty. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. We're coming up against one of our longer breaks. And when I... Send you to break. I'm going to try to send you to break with something to chew on. Um, Two movies that I'm kind of excited about, and this just tells you about my psychology. I'm pretty serious. I talk money nonstop. I'm a Wall Streeter. I'm an analyst. I'm a smart guy when it comes to money and investing. I don't think you'll find smarter. You might, but I don't think you will. I'm arrogant about money. I'm not arrogant about women. I married a Playboy model and was divorced a year later. I'm not smart about women in any way, shape, or form. I'm not smart about cars. Well, I'm actually pretty smart about cars. I once built two cars out of spare parts, but that's neither here nor there. Um, it actually cost me about $4,000 in tools, but I got two free cars out of it. But it was $4,000 in tools that I wasn't really expecting. And when you're a teenager, that's a lot of money. Anyway, um, I talk pretty seriously about money. I don't know women. I know money. I don't know, f- I don't know football, but I'm going to talk football tomorrow because the football season's kicking off. I'm going to talk about money in football. So when I'm not doing this, I unwind pretty easily. Love the TV show Dexter. Love the TV show Mad Men. Love the TV show True Blood. If you get a theme there, what it kind of is is alternate reality. There's two movies that I'm looking forward to, and you may not have heard of them. One's called Daybreakers. It's coming out January 2010. It's about a society where the vampires have basically bitten everyone on the planet, so everyone's a vampire. There's no more humans left. So go to YouTube during the commercial break. Punch in daybreakers. So it's a, it's a brilliant concept. They're run, they've run out of humans. I like that. A society of vampires. And there's another one that looks like it's going to be lots of laughs. Woody Harrelson's in it called Zombieland. And it's about creative ways of killing zombies. It's, it's tough to explain, but I like me some zombies. I like me some vampires. It's a good way for me to get, you know, out of this, this mold. 
uh, Inglorious Bastards. I like the alternate reality stuff. I like the, uh, let's just unwind and have fun at the movie theater. And yes, I will go to the movie theater. And yes, I'll probably get swine flu while at the movie theater. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. Oh, and I got the, the raccoon with vampire fangs in my backyard now. Talk about that later as well. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.